Choke on him! Choke on him! Welcome to the Horrible Film School. Grab your seats, rip open those Velcro Trapper Keepers, and rack those mechanical pencils. I am Chris here with Ryan Hootie. What's going on, fellas? Excited to be here to talk about zombies and Mr. Romero himself. You better be fucking excited. And we got King Nasty, my brother from the same mother. Joey. Dia de los muertos! ¿Quién está lista para los zombies? Yo estoy listo para los zombies. Mucha emoción. Don't adjust your dial. That's not Luis Guzman in your ears. It's me, Professor Joey. How you guys doing this evening? Y'all ready to talk the living dead? Fuck yeah, man. I feel like we got to give uh, Ralph credit in the show notes for that. Feels like you were coached up by a fluent speaker there. I feel like we just turned into Telemundo for a minute. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. I need to broaden my horizons. I'm thinking about going solo and starting my own uh, Spanish uh, SAP broadcast of uh, of uh, Horrible Film School. Good luck with that, buddy. You should uh, definitely try ordering something other than the ACP from now on. I get it now with chorizo. Maybe the chorizo polo. Feel, yeah. the it choice, makes me feel the chorizo polo. It makes it makes me feel. Uh, it makes me feel uh, exotic. Got to get Troy Polo, man. It's fa- it's fantastic. Yeah, I love Troy Polo. It's so good. I don't want to admit it, but I get like both. Pollo Sinaloa <laughs> is uh, pretty good too. Shout out. But you order it, Joy, and the guy thinks you have like a significant other. So you know. Oh man, my wife and kids are gonna love yeah, all this I food. Tell them, make sure. Yeah. I always like hamming up. I say, yeah, make sure you put a little bit of extra like sauce in there or sauce in there because she loves sauce. But I hate sauce. I just throw it away. <laughs> Little Timmy needs his salsa, you know. Today's assignment, 1985's Day of the Dead. The lesson, do not train your dog or your zombie to use firearms. It's interesting, fellas. I have the honor of being the host today, and I, of the three of us, believe I'm the biggest zombie fan here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get it twisted, man. I got my fair share of zombie stuff I like. Oh, yeah, man. Me too. Um, Yeah. No what were those again, Chris? <laughs> Joy, you go first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yep, man, that, 20, one, that one. Twenty-eight days later. I don't think Shaun of the Dead uh, uh, works, but Train to Bushan. It's, it's Busan. You insensitive it's Bouchon, fuck. Bushan, bro. I like how he nailed the Spanish, but fucked up. But <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I will say the best zombie television show. Is from Dead. Korea. It's called Kingdom. Check it out. Is it on Netflix? It is. So as we shuffle the deck up here to change around a little bit, we have IMD fan reviews up first. And with that, Miss George 13 from June 2002. I hope she's not 13 watching this film. Uh, my friends and I rented this movie from the recommendations that we liked Resident Evil, that we'd like this. Man, was that wrong. We sat through an incredibly long and pointless scenes of people screaming at each other. We ended up fast-forwarding through most of the movie because we couldn't stand it anymore. I would give credit to Bub, the zombie, for the most entertainment out of this whole experience. One out of ten stars. Uh, your friend gave you a dog shit recommendation. This is... 
the opposite of Resident Evil, as are most zombie films. Why the fuck films. didn't they just recommend them Resident Evil the movie? Why didn't they recommend Resident Evil 2? <laughs> maybe, it's not, maybe it's not out yet. Maybe the video game. Maybe it's the video game now. <laughs> Next up is Benny Spoon Productions, a review from 2007. And he says, I tell you what I'd love. To fill a movie theater with a bunch of teen kids who love drizzle like The Perfect Man and Step Up and that crap. Play Day of the Dead, which looks great in capital letters, and watch the reaction. They, not knowing the unrelenting glories of old horror films, who stick to new ones that come out in theaters, examples such as Underworld, Resident Evil, or not even that, who wouldn't know the difference between George A. Romero and Wes Craven, would be absolutely horrified at the intensity of this great film. Man, I'd love to show those morons the crap they watch is nothing compared to these greats. Ten out of ten stars. So the way this guy's framing this, he's saying he would love to do this to a bunch of teenagers, which points That's to the a fact, very strange. which points it's, to the fact he's probably in his forties, which makes this review a hundred times creepier. It sounds like he wants to kidnap a bunch of urban youths and like lock them in a fucking theater. This guy might be the creepy ice cream man that drives around suburban neighborhoods. I'm, I'm telling you, dude. If I if I ever yeah. come across a grown ass man who starts a conversation, you know what I would love to do with a bunch of teenagers right now. <laughs> Hold on, sir. Let me call the police and we'll finish this conversation. You know there is an ice cream. I think cream? they made a horror film about that very same thing, Hootie, about the ice cream driver yeah. with Clint uh, Howard, right? What's his name's Howard. brother, Ron Howard? Why do I have brother? an image of that in my head? I never saw yeah, that. He's got a hell of a DVD Smush. cover or VHS cover. I don't know his name. I always call him Smush Face Howard. I have a ice cream truck that comes around my neighborhood on the weekend. You ever go out there and get the uh, the M&M ice cream? Like the little uh, Mickey Mouse with the M&M eyes? No, it freaks me out. I I can hear the song the inside me? of my house. I wish they come by my place. What comes on this ice cream, sir? Besides me... Before we get too far from Clint Howard, I just want to say, you look at that man's face and you look at his niece. How the fuck are these people in the same family tree? I've never seen his niece. I want to look that shit up. Bryce Dallas Howard? Dressed They're related? Old. That's his niece. Jesus. His brother's, his his Stacey, brother's Ron Howard. His brother's a pretty good looking dude back in the day. That dude's got a face only a shotgun could love. Mm. Mm. That's love right Damn, there. too soon. Good Lord. Too fucking soon. I think soon. he's still alive, Chris. <laughs> Cute puddle of mud covering Nirvana. Let's get this shit going. So the writer and director of Day of the Dead is none other than the godfather of zombies himself, George A. Romero, who also directed Night of the Living Dead and Creepshow. And furthermore, he's from Pittsburgh, PA, along with Tom Savini and a plethora of other crew members that worked with him along the way. George A. Romero, man, pretty much the godfather of zombie zombie horror. Um, credited with bringing the uh, genre to the masses and, and popularizing it. Pretty much, in my mind, what David Cronenberg is to body horror, uh, George Romero is to zombie horror. So do we know who George Romero is? Why does he uh, get the A? I mean, who is like as a human being? Because he has passed away, R.I.P. He has to go by George A, though, because someone else is George Romero, right? That's why they usually have to do that in like uh, directors' guilds and stuff like that. Actually, yes, you are correct. God damn it, Michael J. Fox is not his real name. He added the J because there was already a Michael Fox. So who is George Romero? Why is nobody fucking talking about him? Apparently, he ain't nobody working for. George Romero is the godfather of George Romero's. <laughs> George A. Romero was only the second iteration of George Romero. 
So, fuck him. You know, he actually had a bit part in Silence of the Lambs as an actor. Michael J. Fox did? No, uh, George <laughs> Romero. So before I hop into the behind the scenes of this film, because I did rent this movie from the library. Again, support your local libraries. Uh, they, are, they are free. Poor so, motherfucker. Uh, but the... the <laughs> The DVD, the DVD came, the DVD came with a pretty nice documentary. So I'll let you two go first. I bet this motherfucker filled up his cup at the water fountain too while he was there. Yeah, right. They and they they, they give out free cookies on Thursdays. You got to go on Thursdays. Where'd you get that shit? You got to get a projector for it. Like you got to put the fucking reel on the goddamn like a microfiche. I will oh. say, you know, talking about how some of the people he worked with were all from the same area. Um, I did read that he invited a lot of the extras back from some of the earlier dead movies to play zombies in this one. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, not something you would really expect a director to go out of his way to do, but good old you, George. Uh, I got a couple to throw in here as well. The movie, it went through uh, five rewrites before the studio greenlit it for production. Um, the original script came in at 200-plus pages and was deemed far too expensive to make, while the final script was truncated to 88 pages. These budget constraints forced Romero to abandon several concepts he would explore 20 years later in a personal favorite of mine, Land of the Dead. So we know the equation is generally like one page of a script is a minute of a movie, so... You're telling me this dude had a fucking four-hour version of this in his head at some point? Pretty much when he first wrote the script and had his overall general idea of what this movie was going to be, it was, in his mind, uh, gone with the wind, but with zombies. There was, It was going to dwarf um, what they originally was going to allow him on his budget. It'd be kind of interesting to see what what it would have been back then if he was allowed to uh, go hog wild with uh, his original idea. We need the Snyder cut. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, that's a thing now, I guess. I just can't imagine somebody in the 80s sitting there for four hours in a movie theater watching fucking zombies. (laughs) So the the documentary from the library, again, had a lot of good things. I'm about to go over here. After Dawn of the Dead, which was a huge global success, Romero signed a three-picture deal with United Film Distribution Company with the studio asking that one of those films be a dead film. However, Romero was not excited about jumping back into the genre, so he made Knight Rider and Creepshow before Day of the Dead. This limited the budget for Day due to those two films not being box office successes. Specifically looking at you, Knight Rider. Apparently Knight Rider was like... Medieval times, but with motorcycles. And Ed Harris. This was like Mad Max meets Army of Darkness. It's fucking awesome. Mad Max meets your... What's that? What's that? Fuck your highness. What's that shit with Danny McBride? Oh, shit. And uh, Franco. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that one. So I want to go back to the library visit. Hootie, how many copies of Goosebumps did you pick (laughs) up? Sports local libraries, people. Who's that fucking asshole to get them there, uh, write your own adventure books, and actually writes it in the book from the library. Spill that shit out. Turn to page 18. I get the highlighter magazines, actually highlighting them. I'm going to go ahead and slide that right back in. (laughs) These things are too easy. This is the only motherfucker who's ever here when the doors open at the library. (laughs) 
I need water. I need highlights. And I need those free cookies. I'm taking my shoes off right here. <laughs> and I'm going to get some of that free internet as well. You mind printing this for me? <laughs> the only thing the library is good for is for like homeless people to take baths. The mine that they filmed in was actually converted into a commerce center called Gateway Commerce Center in Pittsburgh, PA. It is still active today. And one of the many things inside of the mind, mine today are actually government documents, tape recordings, and other perishable materials that are safe due to the low temperature inside of the mine. Yeah, apparently it runs about 50 degrees Fahrenheit down there, and, and the, the temperature as well as the humidity wreaked havoc on the uh, recording, the, the effects, um, the operation of the firearms and shooting blanks. I mean, they weren't, they weren't even able to you know, shoot blanks down the mine. They were, they had to do all the, uh, firearm effects in post. Like muzzle flashes and stuff. Really, really, really cool filming location, but it was very problematic. And then the last note that I have, we have to say it, Tom Savini, who goes with Romero like peanut butter and jelly, provides the brilliant special effects. Furthermore, watch the Day of the Dead documentary on the DVD from the library because Savini goes over almost every effect in this film and shows you how he created them. Uh, honestly, we, we've talked quite a bit about Tom in previous episodes, and I think we've shown our listeners that the we're patron all fans. saint of the podcast. Yeah, very much a uh, uber talented and a legend. Um, and I'd hate to blow our load any more than we already have talking about him because. Uh, as many horror films and horror projects as he's had his hand in, I'm sure we're going to cover him quite a bit more in the future, especially with the uh, 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. So I know generally I'll like, if I'm into horror, I'll stick to like a director or a franchise, right? But I feel like this is one of the only people who I would ever consider like, let's just do a fucking Tom Savini marathon, you know? Let's just watch all the shit he's ever done. I'm hearing about... I'd say 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to blow your mind with somebody else Ooh. on this movie that you've been doing. You've been doing a marathon of his shit all your life. And you didn't even fucking know it. And you didn't even fucking. I'm you excited didn't even about this. Yes. You inceptioning it. Inceptioning. You, you inceptioning didn't know meeting. that he was Just, the king uh, in the Burger King uh, commercial, uh, Chris. Okay. I'm sticking the bait in the water pretty soon here. I'm going to reel me in a big fish. But we're going to talk about him quite a, in a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to mention the guy's name. Real pig's blood and guts from a local Pennsylvania slaughterhouse were used in some of the uh, more intense scenes. However, a staff member on set accidentally disconnected the uh, refrigeration that housed the pig viscera. So, uh... Those scenes were done with even more rancid and rotten remains. Yeah, but this smelled fucking great in a mine. Pretty fucking gross. Pretty much the road scene was uh, shot entirely with uh, pig pig entrails. And apparently a lot of the staff members got sick. Or not staff members, but the crew members who had to actually handle the, uh, the expired pig, pig, pig intestines. That was somebody's job. Just hand, hand me some pig guts, Steve. Need more guts over here, kid. Steve. We used to play in the woods. Oh, man. God. If, if Cody sacrificed like a fucking pig, the fuck? then, man, I'm going to lose it. No, no, no. no, no, no. There, was, there was a creek by, by, behind the house, and I was back there one day, and a possum had oh, died God or something damn. killed it. I don't know. 
but it had been there for a while, and the smell of that thing, I couldn't imagine having that on my you know, body this, and having it. You know, this motherfucker well. stuck it on his head, said, mm. "Look at me, look at me, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm, <laughs> I'm a Daniel Boone. I'm gonna wear this. I'm hiding. <laughs> Call me Johnny Appleseed. Dead raccoon on his head. I'm telling you, man, those kids <laughs> go to the library are weird motherfuckers. Ah, the hate for the public library. It's your tax dollars at work, fellas. <laughs> I don't like roads, and I don't like libraries. So with that, let's get into 1985's Day of the Dead. I, I'm going to tell you what is. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what is. You ain't never going to figure it out. Just like they never figured out why the stars are where they're at. It ain't mankind's job to figure that stuff out. So what you're doing is a waste of time, Sarah. And time is all we got left, you know. We open with Sarah waking up in a helicopter over to a deserted city, joined by John, McDermott, and Miguel, who land the chopper and begin searching for survivors. But all they find are the undead. It's funny because they land and it looks like all fucked up. There's a bunch of shit everywhere, like a bunch of trash. But that's actually just how Miami looks every day. So right before they actually have this scene and she wakes up, she's having a nightmare where she's in this room with a calendar. And as she approaches the wall to look at the calendar, the wall explodes with like 30 hands like just popping through the wall. This is like some of the coolest practical effects I've seen in a horror movie. Um, along the lines of, of the uh, through the wall sequence in Nightmare on Elm Street. However, it has one of the worst jump scare reactions I've ever seen in a fucking movie. And I, it, it goes, it, it, we're going to see it later on in the movie that some of the acting in the movie isn't that good. I'm super surprised they went with that take because her reaction does not sell it at all. At first I thought it was like a digital effect because it came out so clean. But you're telling me that was all practical? That's practical. It looked really good. I really don't understand the context of what's happening there. With the calendar, I know we kind of bookend with it as well. I didn't really get the... Whatever he was trying to tell me, I didn't get it. I think he's trying to convey that they've been down there for a long fucking time. That this isn't this doesn't take place directly after the, the events of Dawn of the Dead. But she was just in the chopper on boots on the ground, right? I don't know. It just no, no, no. It opens up with the calendar. The calendar scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's on the chopper dreaming about it. That's right. Okay. So let's get to these actresses. Some of them have some pretty good credit, too. What the hell? Sarah. Are you serious? Sarah, played by Lori Cardell, was in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, and she's going to be in 2023's Night of the Living Dead 2. What the fuck? In, in production. Currently. That's a direct sequel to the one from the 60s? I, is Don't this a sequel to the production. one from the 60s or to the one that was remade by Savini? There's no information on that movie. It's just in pre-production, and that's all we know about There's it. too many of the dead movies, dude. The continuity is just fucking... It's kind of why I never got into it, man. It's just it's a shitload of them. Uh, John, played by Terry Alexander, was in Conspiracy Theory. And also is going to be in 2023's Night of the Living Dead Part oh, 2. Oh, shit. As a character named Sean, possibly a nod to Sean of the Dead. These people are not the same people in Night of the Living Dead 2. 
McDermott, played by Jarloth Conroy, was a voice actor in Grand Theft Auto 4 and was in 2010's True Grit. This guy should have played a fucking zombie in this movie. Yeah, he had a creepy. He like, literally like look looks. He he in True Grit he plays like an Undertaker, and I can see why. The dude looks like a corpse, like he's Tim Burton's wet dream. He's actually going to be in Night of the Living Dead too as well. Yes. Oh, good as, God. Yes. The character, as the character of Paul Bronson. Hey guys, I got something to announce. Uh, I'm going to be in Night of the Living, whatever the fuck it's called, Part Two. So yeah, those three characters oh. are. are Stepping back into the uh, of the dead universe. Oh shit! God, they've got to be old. No offense to them, but they've no got offense, to be they're older. But, but the character, a flyboy, John uh, Terry Alexander. I mean, he he does not look his age. Lastly, is Miguel, played by Tim D'Elia, who was in Night Rider and Night of the Living Dead, the remake. Chris, not not two, not two. He is noted in this documentary as being a complete method actor on set. And he said that the role was taxing on him and he had trouble uh, with projecting the character. This dude came off like a fucking asshole. Yeah, he stayed in character the entire time. I say, without without even knowing what you said, my exact note was best actor in the movie, Miguel. Oh, my God. He fucking killed it, dude. That's why he was only this in like a quarter annoyed of the, the movie. shit out of me. I believed, I believed he was really going through some shit. He seemed like he was the only person who was genuinely experiencing the end of the fucking world. The crew packs up and heads back to base where we learn that they have a fully formed compound within a mine shaft with a chain link fence surrounding the area. Were to be called Day of the Dead, it's kind of ironic that this scene right here is the last you're going to see of daylight for the next... 60 minutes do you guys like the uh, exposition by Miguel in this scene right here trying to paint uh, Sarah as like a strong woman he keeps talking about you're strong I know I'm weak I know you're strong and everybody else is weak too but you're strong you gotta you gotta give props to the woman who's not breaking who's dealing with all these fucking literally the only hand in a cock house and she's not losing her fucking mind you know that's true John suggests that the crew hightail it out of this shithole and head for the islands in order to get juiced up and spend the rest of their days left soaking up the sunshine. Uh, I need you to re-say that with the Jamaican accent. Heading through the islands, that, man. You're going to go over there with the sunshine. With the island boys. Oh, get him, nah. John. Get him with the island show. boys, John. He's just the show. island boy. What's the other words? What's the other words to the song? <laughs> I'm an island, I'm a boy, <laughs> trying I'm trying it. to make it on the island. <sighs> yeah, that's all I can think about halfway through this fucking movie. <laughs> Jesus. Because <laughs> he kept talking about going to the islands. I was like, God damn it. Yeah, TikTok has ruined the world. I also remember just getting juiced up a lot. I don't know if that's the way the island people talk about getting Tell me, eating the coconut, man. That's what juicing up is. Just eating a bunch of coconuts. Getting all juiced up, man. <laughs> Get Chad Hanks on here to take care of this shit. Sarah and Miguel hop on a golf cart with steel and head towards the wall in order to capture zombies for scientific purposes. I want my name to be Steel. Fucking Steel. He was a prick, man. He looked familiar, but I don't know if he looks like someone else I recognize. Still, played by Gary Howard Clare, 
was also in Big and Trading Places. You know who he looks like? Nah. And I know, he, he looks like H. John Benjamin. Why do I know that name? Who was that? Uh, Bob's Burgers. Oh, yep. That's he exactly looks who just like H. John out. Benjamin. John H. Benjamin. Is that his fucking name? That's going to drive me nuts. I don't it's think the that's guy who does name. the voice work for Archer and all that shit, right? I don't think that is. H. John Benjamin. Excuse me. Here we go. He was on um, Master of None, too, right? He had a few episodes yeah, of that. He's so fucking funny, man. He kind of sounds like him, too, now that I think about it. A little bit. Maybe it was his voice I recognized, but either way, he was a fucking prick in this movie. I feel like he was necessary, though. I don't know. I, I, I became very attached. He was a racist piece of shit, Hootie. To the, well, he, that came out yeah, later yeah, in the film. Yeah, that came I out think later, it, I it's, uh, we, we eventually find out the entire <laughs> regimen is fucking racist. I didn't get their slang, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Wait. I didn't understand what the fuck what? they meant half the time, but I digress. We'll get there. We then meet Rhodes, the military captain, who does not understand why his men are dying in order for the doctors to perform lab experiments on the undead. How'd you guys feel What's... when we were first introduced to like Rhodes and and his his squadron of uh, of army men? Did you immediately like feel like negative towards these guys, like they're really the bad guys in this situation? I mean, they're obviously going to be painted as the bad guys. I couldn't get behind the group because I felt like they were all like either just bad dudes. One of the guys just laughed psychotically like a hyena the whole fucking time. But the captain, I could kind of understand his, I could kind of understand the captain's logic. But then again, as it's referenced throughout the movie, where the fuck are you going to go, man? What else do you have to do today? Shut the fuck up and do your job. Well, for me, Rhodes played by Joseph Pilato, um, he was a makeup artist on Dawn of the Dead, as well as playing an officer on that very same film. Uh, played Dean Martin during the Jack Rabbit Slim scene in Pulp Fiction, uh, uh-huh. as well as a as a role in Hootie's one of Hootie's favorites, uh, Wishmaster. Say it, say it. God, I love Wishmaster, Wishmaster. so much. I thought you were gonna say Night of the Living Dead Part Two. I was gonna fucking uh, lose it. Wishmaster is gonna be for my me. pick one of these days. <laughs> for me, I'd say his performance is the standout of the film. Um, obviously, along with uh, the Bub character, who we're going to talk about here in a bit, uh, tyrannical dictator, uh, Macho Bravado. Um, definitely words to describe him in this role. I really like this character. Um, I think... I, I sympathize with him very much. Um, as we see, the movie's going to unfold in a certain way. And it's like... Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But in the same in the same scene, we're introduced to a minor character in the movie named Private Johnson. I want to say though, Joey, if I could take my goddamn thunder, this is my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, I love this guy. He's great. <laughs> Rhodes is fantastic. Rhodes is so good, so over the top, man. I like his delivery and I like his presence, but I could not get over the fact he looked a little bit too much like Joaquin Phoenix, man. Oh yeah, there's something haircut? about him, yeah. Hair, it was in man. his face, man. There was something there where it was like, I don't know. I was expecting a different type of character based on his appearance. You know what I'm saying? He's so over the top, but I feel like in real life these people exist. And in this circumstance, this is the kind of person that would exist. But yeah, I'm gonna go off on a tangent if you guys don't mind right here because we're introduced to a character named Private Johnson, who is played 
by Greg Nicotero. I knew he was in here, but I could not pick him out. He was he, just one of like the, the blonde. He literally has like two lines the entire movie, and he's like the blonde guy who's very nondescript. If you yeah. don't know Greg Nicotero, he's pretty much the current iteration of Tom Savini. Protege of Tom Savini, super gifted, special effects, makeup artist in his own right. I'm going to list off a shit ton of stuff he's involved in. So his resume is probably longer than anybody's we've ever mentioned on this show. Uh, and uh, in some capacity, whether it be acting, special effects, makeup, directing, he's worked on From Dust Till Dawn, Evil Dead 2, Inglorious Bastards, The Mist, Wishmaster, Predator, Phantasm 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Halloween 5, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Misery, The People Under the Stairs, Pulp Fiction, Scream, Men in Black, Spawn, Boogie Nights, The Faculty, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, Sin City, Hostel, Deadwood, Planet Terror, Death Proof, Public Enemies, Jennifer's Body, Django Unchained, The Green Mile, The Green Inferno, The Hateful Eight, 2016's Suicide Squad, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Serenity, Bride of Reanimator, Army of Darkness, Jason Goes to Hell, Pumpkinhead 2, Annabelle, Bubba Hotep, Cabin Fever, Casino Royale, Spider-Man 3, Splice, a personal favorite of mine for various reasons. For horny And that's just to name less than 20% of the projects he's been involved in. I mean, with all this mentioned, I'm obviously leaving out a huge work of his, and that's the Walking Dead series. The dude is good at what he does, obviously, uh, even given his mentor, Mr. Sabini, a run for his money. See, I think he really became more of like a household name with the Walking Dead when they started doing that, like Talking Dead or whatever it was after the show. You remember that, that Hardwick used to do? I feel like they talked about him a lot, and he came on that show a lot and talked through some of his effects work, so... He is the modern Tom Savini, I guess. The difference between the two is, I guess, I always associate Savini strictly with horror. Nicotero is kind of a jack Nicotero of all trades. fucking everything, apparently, man. All them Tarantino credits to make a resume look good. Uh, real good. Sarah goes to meet Dr. Logan, a.k.a. Frankenstein, who gives an incredible breakdown of how zombies actually can be domesticated. Much like a dog. I'm surprised that dude's credits, like, he wasn't in shit. I didn't even include him in my movie. credits because there was nothing to talk about. Yeah. It's he's not in Night of the Living Dead really 2, Chris, because he's dead. So I'm turning off hard. the mic. Fuck it. But, yeah, I would, as good as he is in this movie, I figured he would have some other credits. He really doesn't. So, was it just me, or was this guy, is the, the character, what he's doing, his job, is Herbert West's dream? Yeah, he's a reanimator. Oh, yeah, for sure. I looked up Reanimator. The first one came out 85, same year. So. Yes, it was fantastic. I thought he was the most important foil to the captain. He was the only person, like they said, that could literally fucking argue with this guy. Yeah, pretty much. Everyone else just kind of coward. So, yeah. so I, do, uh, I did appreciate that character a lot. Second in command, whoever the other doctor guy was, was super fucking forgettable. Yeah, he was pretty, pretty forgettable guy. His, his mannerisms made you think he's he was actually a fucking scientist that they hired to do this role. And that's the reason he doesn't have any other credits. So he went back to being a fucking scientist. Yeah, he had like that doctor arrogance to him with every fucking line. No matter what he was talking about, he was just 
He fucking knew exactly. Did what you guys saying. just skim over Doctor Ted Fisher? Was that the shit? Uh, the shit doctor? That was John Amplis, the motherfucking. Yeah, he's very uh, nondescript. He was actually the casting director for Dawn of the Dead. A lot of these guys that are in this movie to save on budget were actually just like cast members or uh, crew members. Yeah, they're all from Pittsburgh. uh, Yeah, Romero just, you know, he also was a makeup artist. He played the title role in uh, Martin, a 1976 film by, you guessed it, Mr. Romero himself. Um, It's actually an underrated movie about a serial murderer who believes himself to be a vampire. And as such, believes he needs blood to survive. I hope we get a chance to cover it. I, so it's not the legendary 90s sitcom starring Martin Lawrence? I no, thought it was I, think Martin, I think Martin's based off that. He was actually in a Blackface. He played Martin Lawrence in Martin. <laughs> Fuck, this guy's incredible. Uh, I actually forgot to mention it because Joey went on the tangent about Rhodes. Uh, that Rhodes, as I alluded to earlier, there is a connection to the first trilogy, Chris. Rhodes is in Dawn of the Dead. The same, the character. same character as in Day of the Dead. Same military type type guy. So people say that is the connection of the movies. Don't worry, he played a racist piece of shit in Dawn of the Dead. As long as the character, <laughs> long as that character okay. kind of uh, him, he's good. very uh, on on brand. I don't I don't I don't know if you are a member of the first or Dawn of the, Dead, the the original Dawn of the Dead, the opening scene where they're going through the uh, project building. And they're, it's like all black minorities, and it's a bunch of white, besides the one black guy, uh, military guys. They do some pretty rough shit. But Rhodes is one of those guys. Later that night at the weekly meeting, Rhodes threatens to shoot Sarah dead, and the entire relationship between the soldiers and the scientists changes. Rhodes gives several pieces of dialogue that are absolutely incredible in this scene. Yeah, this guy. This movie actually has quite a quite a few quotes, man. That dude, the dude Rickles. Some of the shit he says is so fucking funny. <laughs> you almost got Rickles killed. I feel like I kept hearing about Rickles. This fucking Steel talked about Rickles constantly. I swear Rickles, those two had something going on. Rickles keeps trying to make Steel pull his dick out. He keeps telling That's him weird, to fucking man. whip it out, man. He says, pull he says it out, show him. Of, he pretty much says that big piece of meat <laughs> will break the side. Biggest piece of meat in here. <laughs> When he's offering offering himself to Sarah and she's like, I wouldn't fuck you with uh, Rickles dick or something. He says, it means you're a caveman, asshole. You're a fucking throwback. You've been spending too much time on the ground. It's okay, Steel. Throwbacks all got big dicks. <laughs> yeah, this dude wanted Steel's dick. I don't know if he got it or not, but he wanted it. But anyway, we were talking about Rhodes. We were talking about Rhodes, right? Yeah, we were talking about Rhodes and his uh, interaction with the... His fascination with not wanting to get jerked off. (laughs) That dude is so pissed off this whole fucking movie, man. (laughs) It's another Rickles quote in this scene. She don't have to jerk off like the rest of us, Captain. She's got herself an honest-to-God dick to get off on. It may be yellow, but it's still a dick. Alright, here we go. So we've mentioned it. Why we haven't the mentioned fuck? it because it's not believable. Why the fuck do they keep calling Miguel yellow? He's supposed uh, to be Asian? I think that's something to do with being Spanish. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. 
I, think I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't get the correlation, but I think that's what it is. It's the fucking '80s, man. Who knows? Because I've heard people use that derogatorily to describe like Asian people, Chinese, Japanese. But I was like, what the fuck? This dude looks pr- like close to American white dude to me. Maybe a little Hispanic. I don't fucking know. Well, to to go further on this quote I just mentioned, apparently Miguel and Sarah are dating in this movie. They're an item, which I don't fucking see it. Yeah, like, I didn't understand really, that. It comes out of nowhere. Um, but a good portion of the movie is uh, is Rhodes and some of his goons threatening to uh, get rid of uh, get kill rid your of boyfriend. Get so they were a thing. They, like before this, they were fucking. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's established. It was, it was, it was alluded to several times. Yes, I know it was, but it was never like substantiated. It doesn't like, feel real. I feel like it was like a favoritism thing. Like she was taking care Maybe. of him because he had snapped, and they were like, "Oh, she must be fucking him or something," you know. I think Rhodes mentions like he wants to get a piece of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just all over the place. Oh yeah, y'all talking about how much you love this guy, you pieces of shit. He's fantastic. He knows it, what he is. I like a guy. I got like a guy who knows is, what he is. He is great. Fucking Joaquin Phoenix, man. I'm tired of getting jerked off down here, fellas. <laughs> when he's talking to Doctor Frankenstein. Hootie said it earlier, uh, I think, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it another shot. I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein, and I don't know what the fuck you're doing with my time. I feel like this quote right here might be one of the best quotes I've ever heard or lines of dialogue <laughs> I've ever heard in a fucking movie. Monkey Farm. Monkey Farm sells it, the way man. He That's delivered, the best part the way of the he delivers line. It, I probably butchered it. The way he delivers it is, like, great. It's like... Slightly over the top, but like just enough over the top to make it it's perfect. Well, you feel like it's a it's a man on edge who has no fucking clue why his his team or his him and his men are still having to protect this crew of scientists who aren't doing anything. Like they haven't, they're 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 still trying to like figure out what happened, and they're not making progress towards fixing it at all. I could because I mean human beings are supposed to have purpose in life. So if you're stuck in this mine and your job is to protect these scientists and they're giving you no results, like I get where he's coming from. Oh, 100 percent. But any like the doc rationalizes. What else are you gonna be fucking doing right now? Where are you going? Not sitting in this fucking hole, losing one man every day, surviving. Going out there having to go out here and cherry pick fucking zombies. I mean, John's got the right idea. Flyboy got the right idea. Get all, get all juiced Damn up. Island get get everybody together. And go to island. Make some babies. So you're telling know, me the island boys got start, it right. They fucking know. That's the answer to life. From these two fucking assholes. Uh, <laughs> McDermott takes Sarah to the old homestead, a.k.a. the Ritz, to hang out with John in his make-believe tropical paradise. And here we enter into my favorite scene of this film. Uh, so The tropical John's paradise? The Tropical Paradise thing was fantastic. John talks about the government bunker that they are trapped in, which will soon be their tombstone. He believes that humankind has been punished by the Creator and that he is showing them what hell is really like. Sarah, you say 14 mile tombstone. Sarah. He really exaggerated the tombstone. <laughs> I did like the fact that the only two <laughs> decent people like had their own section, but. I was kind of curious as to why they were allowed that, you know? 
seems like they had all the booze and like privacy and shit. Like I feel like these asshole soldiers would have just taken that from them. Well, that's the thing. They were kind of in a they were in a situation. Their team, well, not really. It doesn't have to be a team. They're like specialists. Yeah, they were One's like a neutral. Pilot, the other is like a uh, electronics uh, radio wizard guy. I think it's they wanted to isolate themselves just for that reason, so they could uh, not have to worry about. Yeah, they like to stay out of the politics of it all, right? Or shot. But I just feel like somebody would have taken that from them. I don't know. Well, they they even talked about it. I mean, they're in the actual mines themselves. They're not in any sort of like locked room or anything that protects them. Like, why would you want to expose yourself to the elements? Dr. Frankenstein introduces the other scientist to his star patient named Bub, who he tests with a paperback copy of Salem's Lot. You gotta get that Stephen King reference in there. I hear he and Mr. Romero were pretty good buddies. Oh, that's cool. He was supposed to direct the the stand, I think. It ended up being it ended up being a uh, made for television movie. The miniseries, yeah. With Gary Sinise. Well, what the fuck? The book's like a two thousand pages long, so Jesus. I'm sure Mr. Romero could have written a four hundred page script for it. Oh, one hundred percent. I I really felt bad for Bob. Like I had I don't know. There was just something about him. He was a very sympathetic uh, zombie character, which is probably a first for me, honestly. He's played by a guy named Sherman Howard. Uh, he does a really stellar job making the audience feel that this is a, a zombie that's learning to be human again. Possibly the most beloved and icon char- iconic character uh, of the movie and possibly in all of Romero's works. Uh, a magic shit ton uh, performances across uh, television since the late 80s through the late 20 teens as well as a uh, handful of voice work in multiple video games a very blue collar actor gotta love video games keeping these blue collar actors in work I thought that his like the way he uses eyes was much like like a dog how a dog looks at you and I had that connection because like earlier like the doctor has this whole mindset of domesticating zombies and later in the film Rhodes is going to allude to dog training. And I feel like Bub is like a dog. Or any whatever pet you want to put him in. But that Yeah, he had like an innocence to his ass. Like he yeah. was looking at his pastor. I will say, I'm um, back to the actor. Just as a man with a fucked up Achilles tendon at the moment. I, I know what it feels like when something doesn't want to move, but you're trying to move it, you know? Like I have that, a visceral reaction to that right now. So like when he was actually moving his hands and shit, you could tell. It was very well sold. Like, he didn't have full control over him, but obviously he fucking did as a human being. But he did a really good job selling himself, like, shaving and picking up things and pointing at shit. Very good physical acting. Yeah, you you definitely believed he once upon a time knew how to do all the shit, and he was knew relearning. But you could or, see him, like, struggling to do it, you know what I'm saying? Like, the muscles weren't weren't quite there. The way he was moving his jaw, like, it would give me lock jaw. I think if I was moving my jaw like that, that shit looked painful. Road shows up and is not having any of this dog training bullshit. During another routine zombie capture, everything goes wrong with an officer dying due to his throat being ripped out and Miguel having his arm bitten. The man whose throat was ripped out was uh, Private Johnson. Private Johnson. Sorry, Private. Private Johnson. Two euphemisms for the penis in one name. Sarah runs to the Ritz and springs into action by cutting Miguel's arm off with a machete and then cauterizing the wound. 
Yeah, she was pretty fucking to the point here. She's what is her like position here? She's a scientist, right? She's she's a scientist. She's not a doctor. No. I don't think she's a doctor. She acts in a very doctorly way, I think. Um, as far as taking care of the other humans. Um so I don't feel like any of the other medical professionals do anything to help any living person, you know. It's kind of like a role you thrust upon a woman in a situation like this, which yeah, about to say, kind of fucked up for like her. A, uh, matronly type thing. Exactly, yeah. I think it kind of goes back to the whole argument of her being the only woman there. The fact that she's not losing her fucking mind. Kind of like Miguel propping up her strength because she fucking, it would be miserable to be the only woman in the situation. This was probably the coolest thing. Well, one of them that Savini went over in the documentary. He talked about how when you first see her chop the arm... It's a fake arm that he built originally. I think it was some kind of like gelatin, but when she hit it, it looked completely fake. So he created like this thing with putty and kind of like a hole, and then she chopped it. Romero cut the scene. It was uh, Miguel's real arm back in the scene, and he created a machete that went around Miguel's arm. Yeah, uh, he was moving his fingers cool. and shit. I was like, all that just for that one while. Wow. Everyone draws guns on each other. Still tells John, you're on my shit list, Flyboy. The Dawn of the Dead reference is awesome. I don't know about you guys. I've never heard it out of the context of those two movies. But I'm like, ah, it's like a thing he calls people in his scripts, I guess. It's just a Romero thing. Well, I thought Flyboy was because he was the pilot of the chopper. Yeah. I mean, I figure that's what it is. Cause there's a character I mean, in Dawn of the Dead who's referred call, to the same why way. Why do they call James Franco Flyboys in in the movie Flyboys. You have to ask somebody who watched the fucking movie Flyboy. I can't. I don't know anybody who has. So. Isn't Jude Law in that movie too? Uh, probably. I hope so. Meanwhile, Dr. Frankenstein is playing music for Bub and feeding him dead soldier's flesh. Rhodes walks in on this and kills the doctor on the spot. Man, this fucked me up, dude. I didn't think he was going to take him out like that. I think it was well deserved. I don't know, but I kind of like, Y'all know that's what the fuck he's doing, right? We had, they had to have known that's what the reward was going to be. Because he kept alluding to it for like, every time he'd have a conversation with somebody, he'd be like, they have to be rewarded, they have to be rewarded. I'm like, you got to feed a motherfucker, right? That's the reward. Yeah, sure. but you're just, feeding him his like, dead fucking men, you know? But he they didn't give a had... shit about him operating on their dead friends. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's they right. They buried the body. That's right. Yeah. They buried one of the uh, zombies instead, right? Yeah, they, he pulled a switcheroo, and uh, Major Cooper, the guy that uh, Rhodes took over for, who passed away off screen before we get back to the um, bunker, um, he was switched out and is actually turned into a skullless, faceless, fucking, fucking robot. Oh, His brain God. is attached to uh, electrodes. And Doc was a, like, no one's going to notice it's him. <laughs> that fucking scene right there, the practical effects in that scene alone, perfection. There's a whole part in the documentary where they go over this cadaver. And Tom Savini says that this specific cadaver had a nickname. And everybody in the production crew knew the nickname. The nickname was Moose Clit. Moose Clit. Was the brain like a moose clit? I guess. They say it a lot. Like Never seen a moose's clit. Yeah. I now I have. It's very awkward. <laughs> now we fucking have. Tom's like, oh, yeah, old moose clit. That was a really nice design. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I right, think it was Tom. great. 
Rhodes forces everyone to hand over their weapons, and when John does not agree to take the soldiers on the chopper, he throws Sarah and McDermott on the other side of the wall. We haven't even mentioned it to this point, but I feel like this is something we need to talk about. Effects are great. The gore is great. How do we feel about the zombies themselves? I think for the time, they're very, very good. For the time. You have to remember the time. It's tricky with me with these zombies, man. The title card zombie? Did you, do you remember seeing that one? Title cards with the uh, broken jaw, where his jaw is oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and his tongue draped down. Now that fucking zombie is Walking Dead shit, like Walking yeah. Dead quality. But I mean, like the masses of zombies. Yeah, but I think that's a budget issue. I think they would have done a lot more had they had more of a budget. I mean, you got to imagine two hundred extras dressed in zombie gear. You're not going to have a lot of special effects uh, or uh, practical effects work. Uh, on these guys but why are they like blue and green and what's with that's, the colors that's the kind I of mean, shit that just throws me out I think out. that's I'm supposed like, to be like decay that's supposed to show you when they're dead that's you know a cadaver are you making fun of Tom Savini's work Chris the gore was fucking fantastic man yeah but the people walking around and the makeup I just I guess it's makeup versus effects those are two different things right it wasn't like the things that were attached to the people, like the broken jaw. That kind of shit looks cool. But it was just like the skin tones. I'm, I would have been fine if they just looked like normal skin tones and had the weird effects and shit, you know? I kind of feel the same way you do. However, I think we're both looking at it through the lens of... I mean, this is the first time I've seen it. This is 2022, you know? I can't ignore the fact that I've been watching movies for 30 plus years. Well, apparently years. it's way fucking better than it was in Dawn of the Dead. Apparently the zombies in Dawn of the Dead were laughable. And that's why I had the same kind of reaction when I saw Dawn of the Dead for the first time. I was too far into my life at that point. I'd already seen too much shit, too much improvement on that same design. So that was my introduction to the zombie world because my brother had these on VHS. He had Dawn and Day on VHS. I watched these at a very young age. And then when like the the Zack Snyder zombies came along, I was like, what the fuck is this? Why are they running? Slow zombies, that's another thing there. (laughs) What's I don't get the rules of the slow zombies. Call it budgetary or whatever. I don't know. It's just hard to look at that in a modern context, I guess. Well, I, say what you will about the Walking Dead series. I think the zombie designs in the Walking Dead have kind of spoiled. Yeah, they're uh, all like movie spoiled. quality. Yeah, they're all they're all fucking fantastic. It's like every zombie has its own individual story in this show, and it kind of spoils what you're viewing other zombies in films as. Like, they're always they're always gonna be lesser. There's a hundred hours of footage of these good of these newer, modern, over the top zombies. You know, it's just so much of we've seen so much of that. It's hard to to go back in my mind. I think the earliest zombie I ever saw was probably Michael Jackson in Thriller. That was dope. And that was like, like had good effects, yeah, I thought, at the time. Great. But I don't know. If I could go back to that mindset and watch this, it might feel differently. McDermott and Sarah soon get attacked by zombies, and McDermott chops one of the zombies' heads in half with a shovel. That was a cool effect, too, when he just pushed it down and popped the top half of his fucking head off. A very cool effect. Say a lot of them so far have been like practical effects. This was much more like comical, I think, in the way it the way it played out. 
It kind of did just pop off. Like blinking and shit. Yeah, because as they're running the off, you get the, the head in the foreground upside down, and he's just blinking at the camera. Don't get me wrong. It was fucking fantastic because you can see, like, before it cuts away to that shot of the head, you know, blinking, you see the bottom of his, like, like his mandible and his, like, tongue and shit and his, like, vertebrae, like, just cut. I, I get that they're in a mine and budgetary cuts the whole the whole nine yards. But the way this scene are, are the scenes when they're on this side of the wall are shot. I can't dark. see sometimes I, what the fuck's going I on. Dark like as it. fuck, man. I didn't like it at all. They were playing with shadows a lot, too. My questions are just, I was, if it's so fucking dark down here, where are these shadows coming from? That's a good point, yeah. I feel like this is definitely the weakest part of the movie. Spot that I got very confused about. Miguel takes the elevator to the surface and lets all the zombies come down for a visit. The mine is now full of a ton of zombies. I hated the way he went out, man. I just felt like we put so much emphasis in his like mental state and his arc, and he kind of just does like a sacrifice, and that's that's really it for him, right? But he sacrifices everybody. I feel like that character kind of got cheated there in the end. Two soldiers get absolutely destroyed by a gang of zombies that rips them apart. This fucking clown, man. Uh, I did see the clown was, pop in there. What was his fucking name? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's literally clowns in this scene. Uh, clown zombies. But the clown I was talking about was the soldier Torres, the guy who takes off running and literally jumps. Jumps off a stack of pallets into a crowd of zombies and proceeds to have his fucking head tore off. But he's <laughs> that puppeteer work. That puppeteer work is fucking great. That whole, like, ripped off head and guts and all that stuff is fantastic. But the fact that he just ran and jumped into the zombies was, like, dumb as shit. Uh, I, I liked how they were ripping his head off, and the, the, the further the vocal cords got from a body, like, his uh, cords got higher and higher. Yeah, it was, oh, it was so it good. Yeah, it was that was so hard good. to watch, man. But the, the laughing part you're talking about is, uh, that's Ripple's. Oh, I'm thinking of Rickles. Yeah, that's Rickles. Okay. That's, fucking that's hyena, very man. Much, that's very much on brand for Rickles. I think at this point, like, you've, you've watched the movie, and you've learned that his character is already unhinged. He's a fucking madman who wants some dick. Wants it before he dies. He wants that hard steel, buddy. Speaking of your steel, he decides to take his own life, and Rhodes gets shot three times by Bubs. An absolute weapon. I did enjoy with Steel how he was the most hard-ass motherfucker to Bub. And he ended up dying in the same spot where Bub once stood. I thought that was a nice touch. I like that for for all the comments you made about how Steel is, is a piece of shit, which he did say some pretty, you know, not PG things. He at least had the decency to, to, to shoot, his, shoot himself because he didn't want to become an undead zombie. No, he's just a selfish fuckface. It wasn't even man. that shit. He didn't want to get ripped apart by fucking zombies, dude. I don't give a fuck about being a zombie. I don't want to be eaten. How about old Bubs? Th- three tapping roads. Yeah, fucking Bub. Bub's slow pursuit uh, was pretty fucking intense, man. Hell of a shot. Hell of a shot. This Rhodes death scene right here is fantastic as well. Like, I don't want to gloss over these scenes by talking about how stupid the like, actual actions of the characters were, but all these death scenes of the uh, soldiers were great. I feel like Rhodes might have made the most sense, how, how he went out. Getting chased into a kind corner. Of goofy. Yeah, I thought that would actually make pretty, pretty good sense. His, whole, his line right there was actually improv, too. Oh, he's a choke on it. Yeah, that, that was, was good. Fuck, oh, my God, it's so good. He went out like a boss. Choke yeah. on him. He went Don't out how choke he lived, on my man. guts. He wouldn't have been choking on him. 
And then we cut to Sarah waking up on a beach in paradise. John fishing and McDermott doing what McDermott does best, getting all juiced up. Fucking John Island was boys. right. John was right the entire time. You know McDermott ain't getting no pussy. And that's the end. But she ain't gonna fuck that drunk Irishman. Well, they they gotta repopulate the earth, so I mean, somebody's gotta get it. McDermott ain't getting none. McDermott, you take a nap. I'll take care of this. So before we lose Bub, can we say how when I first started this movie, I first met Bub, I did not expect to be rooting for him in that last uh, hallway chase When I first saw it, I thought that shit was corny as fuck. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to like it. In the end, I was like... I'm rooting for him to shoot this fucking guy. Like, that's that's the magic of uh, movie making right there, man. I think when you first meet Bub, uh, Frankenstein alludes to the fact he thinks he was a police officer. Or former military, yeah. Something. Because yeah, he, he says salute him. Yeah, he does oh, the whole salute. He, he you want me to salute. salute that pile of meat. Uh, pile of pus. Pile of Fuck pus. off, pus brain. They said that shit a lot, too. So, yeah, they end up on the island, and then we get a cut to that calendar again, which, like I said, was a bookend from what we saw at the beginning, which didn't totally click with me. I don't know if one of you have... What were well, they trying they to tell me? Chris, they went from October to November. Yeah, yeah. It How took place more like five days. easy? I didn't need to see that, though, I, don't, I guess. I don't know. I didn't know what he was trying to... Because t- I know George Romero is a smart man, and he was known for using these movies for like undertones and talk about... Oh, yeah, social, social commentary. commentary. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't know if there was like a level to this that I just fucking missed out on. In my mind, if you go back and re- rewatch that first scene, like she looks like she's in, she's exhausted. She, she's the dream in, sequence you're talking she's about. She's dreading. Yeah. in the dream sequence with the first calendar with all the days already marked off. I think she is like oh, at, at her wits end. And at the end of the movie, which also ends with a dream sequence, her marking the days off of the calendar is more like hopeful. Like she's wait, looking wait. forward to the next day. That's a dream sequence? So they're not on an island? Uh, right there at the end of the movie, she goes to the helicopter with the other two. A zombie jumps out at them. And then it cuts to what? her waking up on oh, yeah, yeah. the island. Did y'all not watch the movie? Yeah, but the island's real. Yeah, the island's real, but it's still a dream sequence right before that. So she's dreaming about she's getting attacked on the, island, on the she's helicopter. Dreaming right there about the escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That tracks. I know what you're saying. Because oh, she's dreaming about standing at the helicopter, and when she goes to get in, she gets attacked, but then wakes yeah, the up. She's already on the beach. The dream sequence. But uh, yeah, I think the calendar is like a hopeful. It's like a hopeful type deal. So like the initial calendar she sees every day is already marked off. Like it's she has nothing to look forward to. Every day is already gone and wasted. But on this island, she's actually looking forward to the, the next day because she takes the time to mark off today. Ah, I see that. Hope. Symbolism for hope. I got it. Made it. Who would look forward to having to sleep with McDermott? You know he got whiskey dick all the fucking time. Dick don't even have work. Well, you know, hopefully he doesn't start, you know, 8 a.m. She might have like a little hour window there. Well, you know, she doesn't have to jack off like the rest of us. She's got a godforsaken dick to ride. So with that, fellas, the movie has wrapped up. We made it to the island. We got all juiced up. What piece of memorabilia from Day of the Dead would you like to take home with you? Well, since Joey always steals my shit, I'm going to go first here. Ooh, I like it. Let me get those beautiful, or that beautiful, cross-draw dual pistol holster. I think it was fucking nice. badass, man. 
I don't even want the six shooters. Keep them shits. I'll put my own in there, but give me that beautiful piece of leather. It was sexy. It's funny you say that because I said Rhodes Bandolier. Bandoliers, they just look fucking badass. Uh, you can be the nerdiest, ugliest fedora-wearing motherfucker in the room, but tossed on a bandolier, well, from that point on, you're swimming in pussy, my guy. Mine, I went with Greg Nicotero's Robot Head. This movie pushed special effects to the limit, and why not get a piece of it? That thing was cool. Yeah, I think it was super cool. So with that, fellas, let's wrap up this film. What do we think after hearing the fan reviews going through the film, getting that sweet piece of merch. How do you feel about Day of the Dead? So I watched Day in my normal brain-dead, slack-jawed manner and just tried to enjoy it as a zombie movie, and I did. I rewatched it a few days later and actually thought about the themes and social commentary, and I enjoyed it just as much, if not more so. It's rare for me to be able to appreciate a movie with both those mindsets, and I have to commend Mr. Romero for that. The film is very well written and does a lot with its diminished budget. Its exploration of human themes as well as its introspection uh, sets it apart from most other zombie flicks. The gore, the practical effects, they're fucking amazing. I have to give everybody who worked in makeup and SFX their due. Um, This is hands down some of Savini's best work now a negative for me most of the characters in my opinion are pretty forgettable like who am I supposed to root for literally everybody in the movie could have died and I wouldn't have gave a shit one way or the other aside from Rhodes, Bub and Dr. Frankenstein that is the characters in this movie were flat and weakly developed it really took me out of the more intense moments when certain characters were in danger uh, but with all that said, 1985's Day of the Dead receives a B for me. We got to get back to reviewing shitty movies, boys. This this feels like the fifth B I've given out in a row. I'm ready to get back to being negative and mean. That's when I'm in my element. That's when I'm at my best. Zombie movies have never been my thing, but I am a little bit more of a fan than I was. Uh, generally the rules of the zombies, the stakes, the stuff just gets lost on me, particularly as it relates to the quote unquote slow zombies. Uh, generally the inclusion of military men in movies like this always tends to just make me zone the fuck out. So there's that. But, uh, this one did have a few characters that I at least enjoyed hanging around with in a laugh at them dickhead kind of way. Uh, the gore is fucking intense, but brutally memorable. Uh, but it is hard for me to prop up the the side of the effects work and ignore my dislike of the blue and the green faces. I'm going to blame it on the makeup department, um, which, like we say, is probably a product of the time. But still, I'm looking at this with 2022 vision, so um, it's just hard for me to erase everything I've seen in the last 30 years. Bub and the Doc were fucking awesome, and they alone helped bringing this to an above-average film for me. Mark this one down as a B minus. 1985's Day of the Dead is an all-time classic horror film. Not just in the zombie category. The special effects are an incredible by Tom Savini. And the acting by most of the cast is well done, especially Rhodes. For the third installment of his Dead franchise, Romero holds nothing back once again by pushing the envelope on zombies and what they are capable of. This film gets a solid 
talking about solid A from this bull. Get out and watch it. All right, our opinions in the books. Let's recap our guesses from Rotten Tomatoes for the audience fan scores. Uh, your boy, 55% guess here. Joey, 65, and Mr. Hootie, an 86. It's ironic how our guesses tend to line up with our opinions, too. Isn't that weird? It's the like actual score know. for Day of the Dead is a 75. Back to the wheel. Man, we were all spread out, and we all fucking missed. All right, spin that wheel, spin that wheel. What can it be? has been spun looks like we're gonna be reviewing 1996 is the frighteners with michael j fox martin mcfly himself you see big mike (laughs) we were just talking about michael j fox man we just fucking willed him into existence i I fucking love the frighteners i'm gonna need about 20 minutes on the next show to confess my love for michael j fox all right, fellas, let's hop on YouTube and check out the trailer for The Frighteners from 1996. There has been oh, a destructive shit. force unleashed on this town such as I have never seen. Oh, shit, yeah, this has uh, the animator dude, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but uh, it's not going to be cheap. Jeffrey Combs. Although I do Fucking want to jacket. That fellow takes us totally for granted. Hey, Stuart. This is Peter Jackson. Frank Bannister had a remarkable ability. Psychic Frank. To communicate this movie has such a weird, like, combination of, like, scary moments and in cemetery. You and cannot put spirits around! Although they do escape. And an uncanny knack. We're gonna scare the living daylights out of your parents. <gasps> or making a profit off the living. We're supposed to be... <laughs> you never remember some of this shit. Everyone says that you're a fraud, but I've seen what you can do. Give it up, Frank. Death ain't no way to make a living. But now... You know what it is? Put the fear of it's death a special effects showcase. To me? That it definitely is. And send the dead... Look at the quality of this fucking trailer from 1996. Robert Zemeckis, what the fuck? Uh, that's the dude who... He produced it? Didn't he write... Um, He's Back to the Future Back guy. to the Future? Yeah, Back to the Future, I think. Uh, I guess he presented it. God damn, right. dude. Dude's got a hard on for Michael J. Fox. Alright, boys, what do we think about the Frighteners? What is it sitting at on the illustrious Rotten Tomatoes? User scores... It's hard to fuck up, man. Something like this has got a good formula. I'm going to say it is a 75. Jesus. Well, this film has uh, 
again, Michael J. Fox. I'll say his name for, I think, a sixth time at this point. Who's that? Michael Fox, you said? <laughs> and with that, I will give this film an 82. I think I like this movie more than anybody else uh, out of the whole group, and I gave it the lowest score by far. I'm thinking this motherfucker's got like a 60. Thank you for listening. Check out the website, HorribleFilmSchool.com, to find us on all the podcast platforms, as well as links to all the social jazz. Drop us a line, leave a review, send us heart emojis. I'm going to offer my support to women torn between taking care of a group of men and taking care of mankind. You keep lighting the way, and maybe the rest of us can find our way out of the darkness and onto the beach. And we all find that beach. As always, if you listen to our voices, at least tell one person you know, spread the love, spread the campaign, and get out there and watch Day of the Dead, watch Dawn of the Dead, watch Night of the Living Dead, watch Land of the Dead, and then stop. And enjoy the ride. And I'm out. Thanks for your time and attention, the follows, the downloads, the listens, all that good stuff. We really appreciate your continued support. And to our new listeners, I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Uh, Be sure to check us out in the next one. We review 1996's The Frighteners. Class dismissed.